a lot of the time it's man interfering with Mother Nature um, that causes a lot of the problems. Um, but it, when you work with Mother Nature, she'll reward you tenfold. And, you know, it's, it's just so relaxing. That was Mark Wilson, who joins us on the podcast today, known as the Pond Advisor. You can find him on YouTube, and he's got a website as well, anypond.com. We had a great conversation about ponds, something I'm not massively knowledgeable about. Um, I have grown up with with ponds in the garden, but I have to say I haven't done much on the maintenance. I've always left that to to other people. Uh, My parents and my dad in particular have been particularly keen on his pond. Um, They're a fantastic thing to have in the garden, and we talk about... Um, how he got into it, uh, his passion, and he quite clearly has a passion for for ponds, which is great to see, and his passion for wildlife and fish. Um, So, yeah, a really, really good podcast. Really enjoyed talking to him. Um, So without further ado, let's start the podcast. Hi, you're listening to Plants and Me, the podcast that is all about plants, gardening, and the people who are passionate about them, with your host, Alan Lodge. Welcome to the podcast, Mark. Hi, how are you doing? Very good, thank you. What's the weather like with you? It's good. It's nice and sunny today. It's been uh, hit and miss, um, but it is nice and sunny. It's not too hot. It's not too cold. And what part of the country are you in? We're um, we're, we're in the Midlands. We're um, Northamptonshire based. And um, yeah, so we've been here for um, since 2002. Excellent. So tell us a little bit about what you do. So um, basically, I've been building ponds and water features for well over 30 years. And basically, it's a case of we build, we help people dream, plan and enjoy ponds and water features. As you probably hear by the tone of my voice, that's well rehearsed. (laughs) Um, (laughs) um, Because basically, that's what we do is we do ponds and water features. So, um, you know, we specialize in certain parts of that niche as well. Um, And certainly, it's a case of, you know, I've been doing it a long time, and uh, it's it's been it's been fantastic. And it's probably here behind me. I've got waterfall um, running, so I'm not sure if that's affecting the sound, but it's nice and relaxing. Excellent, brilliant. Um, so, what made you get into it? Um, I'm not 100 percent sure, to be honest. It's always been in my blood, um, but there are a few sort of like um, points that stand out. Um, certainly. Um, Rupert the Bear, the frog song, years and years ago, got my imagination going crazy for uh, frogs and what a sort of like a wonderful world, um, you know, just sort of like from a magical mystery, you know, um, Paul McCartney did the frog song. Mm. So that was real, um, you know, when I was a real kid. And then I built my first koi pond when I was 11 on a pocket money budget. And I had six paper rounds to fund my addiction of ponds and water features. Um, basically, it's a case of, I found an aquarium in the shed, um, went fishing, caught a fish, put it in the aquarium, caught it, died the next day. As you do when you're kids, you do sort of like terrible things. Um, So then it just basically, I was like, well, how can I keep the fish alive? You know, there must be a way. And basically it was self-taught. And like I say, when I was 11, um, one summer holiday, my mum was um, going to work and basically I had the day for myself and I said to my mum when she was leaving the house, if you had a pond, where would you like it? And she said, oh, up, up somewhere near your garden. And um, she came home and I took a great big hole. 
Excellent. So was it predominantly the fish um, that really sparked your imagination to begin with, do you think? Yes, 100%. It was all about the fish. Um, you know, certainly it's the case of, um, you know, I, I was an avid fisherman and um, another reason why I wanted to build one in my in my garden was because back then you couldn't fish um, in the closed season unless you owned the lake or the pond and it was less than a quarter of an acre. So I was actually into competition fishing, and I was like, I need to practice to stay in front of the competition <laughs> as a kid. Yeah. And, um, and, and one of those things was, um, you know, building a, a big body of water so I could actually fish and carry on. But yeah, it was the fish that, that really did it for me back then. Excellent. And um, you've been doing, like you said, a long time, um, and ponds have gone up and down in in fashion um i'm not sure where where you think they sit now um but they certainly they tend to go up and down why do you think that is um i think it i think it's more a case of styles it's exactly the same as gardening you know things come in things go things come back things you know and and i think a lot of it is to do with the seasons and, and also what's out there for people and um you know that that the, the education you know people only know what they know mm. and and certainly um for the first 25 years of me building ponds i was very much into the traditional um style of building ponds um, that you know that's basically formed in the uk where now i take on a, a different ecosystem style which basically works a lot more closely with mother nature um and it's a lot less um maintenance if it's designed correctly. Mm. So I think a, a lot of it is it's a case of it's trial and error. People try things, they don't get it quite right and it fails. So then it goes out of fashion because, you know, they, they lose interest. Um, and then certainly it's a case of something comes back in and, and, you know, they see someone that's doing it correctly and they go, oh, you know, I, I've tried that. And it's, a, it's an evolving thing. It's just like gardening. Mm. And it's an interesting thing. Often water features or or ponds in various different guises are featured in the most um, prestigious of places, places like RHS Chelsea and things like that. They've often yeah. got some form of water in them. Um, so it's a key design aspect, definitely. Yeah, you know, everybody everybody on the planet is connected with water in some way. You know, 70% or some, you know, big body of, um, of humans is water and we've got a real deep connection with water. Um, you know, so it is, it's, it is, it's, it should be in every garden for, you know, obviously from, you know, water for the bees, the birds, you know, the plants. Um, but certainly, you know, the sound, the look, the feel, it can really open up the senses in every, every way. Mm-hmm. Excellent. So let's say I wanted a, a pond in my garden. Is it just a case of digging a hole? Um, yeah, and that's all we do the same is basically we all dig a hole and fill it full of water. Whether it will stay full of water, then that's a different thing. <laughs> <laughs> and, that's, and that's where basically, you know, certainly it's a case of um, we all need to start somewhere and certainly digging the hole is the first the first thing you need to do. And that's a lot, but for a lot of people, that's the hardest part. Mm. Um, where actually for us as sort of like pond professionals, it's actually the easiest part because anybody can dig a hole, but what, what goes on and the, the, the size of the hole and um, what goes into the hole is obviously the harder bit because that's what everyone can't do. 
Mm. Um, but certainly, yeah, if you want to if you want to build a pond, um, you've got to really decide what you want the pond for. Mm. Is it for frogs? Is it for birds? Is it for amphibians? Is it for fish? Because all of these um, creatures need different things, and certainly it's a case of you know, for for instance, a frog needs a temporary body of water so they can actually be quite happy, happy um, with an upside down dustbin lid or something that's very very temporary, mm. and it will actually evaporate. And it's only a pond for a short period of time because then obviously it it, it dries out in the summer, about June, about this sort of time, June July, and the, and the froglets actually hatch and and they actually you know, go into the borders. They don't spend all of their time in and around um, a pond, but certainly it's a case of, as they're, you know, they're hunting in the gardens, you know, in the undergrowth. So you've got to really decide what you want to keep and then look at um, building something for, for that. Either that or go and build something for, you know, a, a good amount of creatures. But mm. yeah, they're, they're, as you can probably tell, the, the topic is huge. Yes. Um, but certainly... Um, digging a hole, filling it full of water, and then seeing what happens, and you know that, that that's a great thing. And you know you, you'll you'll be amazed on how quickly things start to populate the water. Excellent. I suppose the wildlife is naturally drawn to it, especially in the the hotter months. Yeah, totally. You know, and and, and Mother Nature will help you as well. You know, obviously it's a case of Mother Nature and wildlife. They don't really mind what the body of water looks like, so. It may go green. You may get algae. You know, like they're basically two plants, simplest form of life, and that's where it all starts. You may start to get mosquito larvae really, really quickly. But again, that's the sort of like the source of life. You know, a lot of aquatic creatures eat mosquito larvae. So, you know, in the UK, mosquito larvae for me, as a sort of like a professional, it is. It's it's the start of the life. So, if I'm building a wildlife pond. I can't stop the mosquito larvae from populating that wildlife pond if you want dragonflies, if you want newts, if you want frogs, because it's the food source. It's like if you're trying to recreate the Serengeti, you know, you put the lions and tigers in first, they're not going to survive very long. <laughs> <laughs> you, need, you need to put the food in, you need to encourage the food, and then, you know, the, the predators will turn up. Yeah, I didn't think of it like that. That's interesting. And <laughs> I'm just picturing lions walking around trying to find some meal now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> they, don't, they don't laugh. You know, every, everything yeah. needs to eat. Everything needs a place to, um, you know, to, to survive. You know, obviously it's a case of there may be a, a pool of water in the middle of the patio. That's not wildlife friendly. You will get a certain amount of flying creatures come to it. But if it was in the middle of a border, a herbaceous border or, um, you know, any type of border, then there's undergrowth. So, you know, there's a lot more um wildlife that will come in and um you know use it mm. and do you think there's um there's a bit of uh, a tendency for people to want a, a pond that's too perfect and i imagine to get these crystal clear ponds um is very very hard to do on an ongoing basis yes and no mm. um so so basically um a crystal clear crystal clear water is very very easy. It's all about balance, and with the right design, um, it's not hard maintenance at all. I've got several clients, and when I say several, you know, into the hundreds, um, you know, if you think of it on the sort of like the grand scheme of things, you've got thousands and thousands. 
and ponds in the UK, and it's only a small proportion have got the right design from an ecosystem pond, and they don't do any maintenance apart from once a year. Now, that's very, very hard for a lot of people to understand because they may have a fish pond or a fish pool, and they're doing weekly maintenance because, you know, it's like um, intense farming. It's like, um, you know, they have so many fish in there. It's like they've got a fish farm, so that's a lot of work. It's just like if you think of cats in a room, if you had 16 cats in a room the same size as a sort of like a koi pool or something like that, it's going to be a lot of work. But if you've got one in the size of a, a great big garden, it's not going to be a lot of work because of the ecosystem. But certainly it's a case of when you were saying, you know, when you see um, some ponds, they're very sort of like sterile environment. Mm. Well, what we actually class those as is, is more of a water feature or a pool. So you may have a sterile koi pool or a fish pool, um, and that's basically, it's like a swimming pool with fish in. Now, obviously, there's lots of gadgets and whistles that can keep that um, water you know, absolutely pristine, but it's a lot of attention. It's a lot of work. Um, but if you want to sort of like recreate nature and work with Mother Nature, then it can be very minimal work, you know, as in the case of, um, you know, some of the ponds that we build are ecosystem ponds, and it's as simple as emptying a lawnmower basket so you have a skimmer on the side of a pond collecting all the mechanical waste like leaves and detritus that gets blown in and you basically have the skimmer on the side of the side of the pond and then you empty out the basket so that removes the bits and then um, you know the biological stage um, sorts out all from the chemical um, you know processes and then obviously the plants come in and, and remove the nitrate stuff okay but, so Ponds can be a lot of work if they're designed right, but a lot of people, um, they blame the pond rather than the pond designer. <laughs> yes, yeah, I imagine, um, and it's just a case of um, just getting the balance right from, from what you're saying. Um, you mentioned gadgets totally. and bits and pieces. Uh, yeah. is, can a pond be a costly thing to have in the garden? Yes and no. It can be as simple as digging a hole and, and putting in a piece of plastic or um, you know, a waterproof membrane, or you can spend thousands. You know, e- you know, some of the projects that I've been involved in have been over a million. You know, so um, you know, obviously, you, you can have them on a massive scale, or you can have them on a small scale. Um, but certainly, it's the case of the biggest cost. Um, you know, for for a lot of people, is hiring the professional um, to come in and do it because um, you know, if you're going to build it yourself, then it could cost you. a a hundred pounds, a couple of hundred pounds, where if you have a professional come in, it could be a thousand pounds or a couple of thousand pounds, depending on the experience, depending on the, um, you know, the, um, what the, the contractor's putting in. Yeah. And how much does the the surrounding garden affect a pond? I'm thinking of, um, let's say, you've got a garden that's got loads of oak trees around it, for example. Um, does that make it very hard to have a pond or, or can you kind of make a pond fit into almost any garden? You, it, it, yes, yes, you can. There are a certain, um, certain amount of different plants like the toxicity, um, you know, for instance, the, the, the walnut tree is popping out in my head. And they're, they're very toxic. Um, you know, the, the shell of the, 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 the walnut, um, you know, that's dropping in a pond. And if you want to keep fish, that's very, very hard. Um, pine needles are very, very hard. They they break down over an eighteen month period. Nothing's impossible, 
but it does need um, a little bit more time and a little bit more thought. Um, but certainly at Oak Tree, it's not too bad, um, providing that you get the design you know, right. But if you were basically to dig a hole, so let, let's just say for wildlife, so you've got no mechanization, it's just simply a, a hole and, and it's plant only. And you, if you had a, uh, a, an oak tree over, it would fill up very, very quickly because of this, the, the amount of trees. Mm. So you would have to do a fair amount of maintenance. You know, every couple of years, you would have to dredge those leaves out. Otherwise, what it would end up doing is it would end up turning into a marsh. Okay. But I imagine in the intervening years, uh, actually, the natural life cycle of the pond is, is going to be a haven for wildlife, or is that not the case? Yeah. Yeah, you know, certainly it's a case of if you read if you read a lot of the books and read a lot of the old sort of like technology, um, you know, the, the papers and stuff. It says keep your keep your ponds away from trees. Where I actually encourage you know to bring foliage to the edge of the pond because again it's it's more natural. It looks more natural if you have it if you have a pond in the middle of a lawn. It's again it's more of an ornamental pool um, and obviously you've got clippings from the lawn the lawnmower anyway um so you know it is it's basically a case of the landscape around does affect um you know what we do and also the setting how far it is away from um, an interaction zone or a house you know it could be that you want the pond next to a patio but you don't actually use the patio that much so then i would encourage if you're going to have a have a pond then bring it closer to the house because then you can enjoy it 365 days a year from inside the house as well as outside yeah good and you've uh you've built ponds or been involved with ponds all over the world is that right yeah you know i've, I've done um you know certainly the case of i've worked, worked in a lot of different countries um you know certainly in the last seven years um you know i've been traveling to america every year this year i've actually i'm actually got three um trips to america um, because their sort of like philosophies and, and their their way of building ponds is very very similar to um, to my favoured um, building practice of you know working with rocks and working with gravel and working with mother nature mm. rather than creating um, you know rather than creating sort of like pools or more more sort of like fish tank environments um, where certainly it's the case of the, the industry in the UK. Um, it's very much more traditional, a lot of raised ponds. Um, and for me, obviously, growing up, then that was fantastic. And it is still fantastic for keeping lots of fish in a small area. So obviously in the UK, we're very built up. We've got smaller gardens. So if you want to keep more fish, then yes, you do need to um, have a bigger body of water and actually raising it up out of the ground if your type of space is one way that you can increase um, but certainly, yeah, I've, I've travelled the world in search of people that know more about um, ponds and water features, and it's all the same wherever you talk, you know, wherever you go. Um, obviously, sometimes there's a language barrier, but certainly, you know, the principles are the same, the balance is the same. What you put on the system, and it's a lot of the time it's man interfering with Mother Nature um, that causes a lot of the problems. Um, but it, when you work with Mother Nature, it's your reward is tenfold. And, you know, it's, it's just so relaxing and, um, you know, it, it really re- rewards you. Yeah, definitely. Excellent. And um, we're right in the uh, in the middle of this, this boost in, in naturalised garden and naturalised pond. So hopefully that continues. 
Yeah, totally. And and, and it, I think a lot of it is all to do with the education. And I think now we're we're on a sort of like a um, a boom of um, there's more um, you know readily available like this podcast, like the YouTube, like different forms of social media. There, yes, there is a lot of content out there, but people will will go through that. And there's a lot more information readily available 24 hours a day. When when I was um, when I built my first koi pond um, back in '89, um, then there wasn't hardly anything available back then. Where now you can literally, you know, it's all on your fingertips, which is fantastic. You just have to process, you know, and you, you need to be very specific what you're building the pond for. Then you can really, um, you know, put something in the ground that's special. Yeah, and you mentioned YouTube there. You've got a YouTube channel? Yeah, we've got a, um, a YouTube channel. Um, it's been around for about three years now. Um, but coming up to 10,000 subscribers. Um, you know, so it is, it's all about education. You know, if I can help someone with a pond, um, then that's, that's the whole goal of, um, of the YouTube channel. And the, the, the channel is the, the Pond Advisor. And that's spelt with an O rather than an E. Um, so it's the, the American spelling Pond Advisor <laughs> rather than Pond Advisor with an E. But certainly if you type in the Pond Advisor with an E, it still comes up. Um, but yeah, that's, I've probably got about 200 videos and I'm getting, getting better over the last three years. And obviously, um, we've had problems with sound and problems with production, but certainly it's a case of, um, now I've got it pretty much homed down. Um, now it's just a case of concentrating on what people want to hear and the interaction with the comments and stuff. So if you've got any burning questions, that's where um, you can reach out to me and, you know, ask questions. Brilliant. Um, and you mentioned that it was 89 when you first got into it. A few questions that we always ask people. Is yeah, there nine, yeah, 1989 was, was when I first started, yeah. Excellent. And when you first started, uh, we're, we're just before the internet there and certainly before any of us mere mortals had the internet um uh were you was there a particular book or a, or a person that you really turned to um yeah there was a, obviously as a, as, a, as a sort of like a as a kid i was looking for um you know i actually built my own filtration systems and stuff because i couldn't afford the equipment and back then it was all very much early days of mail order and there was a few magazines um, but one of the books um, that stood out to me was the the um, the, the Interpet Cyclopedia of Koi, and um, I actually found that I was working with my uncle um, to um, to earn some pocket money um, and, and to basically you know buy some more equipment from a ponds and stuff. And he actually took me to a koi farm because I'd worked so well, and um, and, and basically they said this is the book you need if you know what's in this book you'll become an expert and, and that was my goal it was it's basically a case of was to learn everything and I spent a lot of time um, you know making mistakes and that's where a lot of people um, do learn the most is when they do make the mistakes and certainly that book is has been highly highly thumbed um, not obviously for the last probably 25 years but certainly it's a case of uh, it's definitely a fond uh, um, thing and, and certainly it's a case of a lot of those authors now I've actually sort of like um, rubbed shoulders with and sort of like done some collaboration stuff and, um, you know and uh, yeah so it's really good Brilliant, excellent and you mentioned failures, there's something we, we always ask as well is have you got a particular notable failure that you can remember? 
Um, probably it's more of me me feeling sorry for the fish that I've killed over the years, not intentionally, no. um, but building um, building ponds and that, that weren't suitable for the fish or putting too many in, and then obviously um, you know that the the parasites and stuff can. Um, really attack the fish because you know obviously fish can't get out where a lot of the the wildlife they choose your pond and then they will stay around if you build a decent pond but they can get out where a lot of the fish they can't so the biggest failure um, that I've made you know is is basically putting too many fish or overfeeding the fish you know being kind that it's, it's all it's all based around the fish um, that's the that's the biggest biggest mistake but the the biggest um, sort of like success that I've ever done is, is basically refining, um, you know, and I've, I've worked on, you know, I've, I've got um, silver medals and, you know, at Chelsea, I've got best in runner up at Hampton Court. Um, so there's a lot of accolades, but certainly traveling over to America for the first time, that was probably apart from marrying my wife, it's the best thing I ever did. Excellent. And, um, and well done for saying that you did. You got yeah. that in nicely. You're not going to get in trouble now. <laughs> Excellent. And uh, for yourself, we always ask people whether there's a tool or a bit of equipment they always walk around the garden with. But I'd be interested to know whether there's like one bit of equipment or tool that you always think a, a pond owner, if that's the way we want to put it, should have with them. Always a net. You've got to have if if you've got a net, then you can get something out of the pond very easy without getting in. And I always recommend, um, you know, if you can, if it depends on if it, how big the pond is. Obviously, if it's if it's if it's more a, a great big pond, then obviously you can't. But if it's a a normal sort of like small, medium, or large garden pond, then a net that will reach over halfway, because then what you can do is you can go around the other side. If you haven't got a net that will reach halfway, you're just pushing stuff into the middle and, and then you can't be effective enough. So definitely a pond net um, is, is definitely something that you, every pond owner should have. Excellent. And there's something that actually sprung to mind, a question that um, I thought of before we started talking, but it's only just come back to me. Safety around ponds. I've got an eight-year-old and a, and a nearly 18-month-old. Um, how yep. suitable are are ponds when you've got gardens with children running around in them? So the, it's all about education, you know. But basically, it's a case of yeah, there's nothing um, that will stop a, a child unless it's child safety fencing, and that's what I would always recommend is, is you know if if you're is to stop the the ch- children actually get into the water because they're drawn to the water. But there are other water features that are a lot more child-friendly, um, like a disappearing waterfall or something. It's not a pond, but certainly you can still have the sound of water and everything, and they can play with it. And I actively active, encourage children to play in disappearing waterfalls or pondless waterfalls. So it's not got a pond. It's just recirculating water that goes into a bed of gravel. Um, but certainly when, you, when you've got um, ponds, it's basically making sure that it's safe if they can if they accidentally fall in can they get out so if you've got a bare lined pool it's a lot harder for children dogs wildlife to get in and out so certainly it's a case of think about how things can get out that's the that's the you know that's the key thing um but but yeah when when child um you know it's it's basically stopping the children from um, you know, get into the pond being unsupervised. That's the key, key thing. Yeah, 
Excellent. After, educa- after education, you know, that's certainly the case of, you know, you don't see many toddlers running around on an allotment because obviously they're, they're educated not to play on the allotment. It is exactly <laughs> the same with the pond. It, it, you know, it's not a place to play. It's a place to learn. It's like the allotment. It's a place to learn, but it's not a place to play. And certainly unsupervised play near lakes, ponds or anything like that. That's definitely a no-no. Mm. Yeah. Excellent. You're, you mentioned you're based around the Midlands. Um, yeah. So how far afield? I don't know the area, but for people who are listening in that area, if you could name a few areas that you do cover. We, I actually cover, um, we, 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 we will go wherever people want us to work. So it's basically a case of we help people in a number of different ways. So it's not just Northampton and the surrounding area. Um, that we service, but certainly that is our main, you know, if people have got small problems, um, let's say that they want a service call, then that's our our main body. So it's, it's sort of like Northamptonshire, Warwickshire, Oxfordshire, Leicestershire a little bit, a um, bit of Buckinghamshire, but it's the sort of like the home counties around Northamptonshire. Um, that's where we predominantly cover. But if you're looking to have, um, you know, something bigger, um, you know, or, or something that you can't readily get available in your area for instance it's a case of if you're looking for an ecosystem pond or if you're looking for a disappearing waterfall you may not have a pond contractor in your area that can provide that for you so then we're we're willing to come out so you know this year we've been to Swansea we've been to Leeds we've been to you know a number of places we obviously work in London a fair amount um and obviously you know across the pond as well so you know, we can actually travel whether, um, you know, people like the price tag involved with that. Then obviously that's, that's a different story. But certainly we are willing to travel. I get asked a lot um, to travel. You know, I've got a lot. Probably my third biggest country is India. And I would love to go and build a pond in India. Mm. Um, that's my biggest, uh, the biggest following on YouTube is, is obviously England to start with, then the US, then, then India and then Canada. Um, but I have a lot of. Um, people from India reach out to me and I'm helping them with um, different philosophies. Obviously, they don't have the products readily available. So then, you know, learning and, and adapting. Um, but you know, I'm, I'm willing to go any, anywhere. I'd love to go to China at one one point. And uh, I'm an international water lily judge as well. So obviously, I've got a fair amount of connection in the um, Asian countries from the water lily hybridizing um, point of view. Um, but certainly, it's a case of, um, yeah, I'd love to. So nowhere's out of bounds. It's just the price tag. <laughs> yeah, brilliant. Well, well, that that opens up everywhere. Um, so that that's yeah. really really good. Um, well, thank you very much for joining us. Um, it's been really nice. We spoke about before we hit record how busy you are, um, which is yeah. is great to hear. Um, so yeah, thank you very much for joining us. And we will put all the links uh, to your to your YouTube and to your website and stuff in the show notes yeah, so the, everyone can find you. Yeah, the web the website is anypond.com and, and basically that's the, the sort of like the website and then the, the YouTube and all of the so people can find me anywhere. If you just type in the Pond Advisor, I'll come up. <laughs> that's for, Excellent. For sure. That's a nice thing to say, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you very much, Mark. Thank you. Thank you. Speak to you soon. Thank you. Thanks Bye. a lot. Bye. Thank you for joining us on the Plants and Me podcast. We'll be back soon. If you can't get enough of all things plant-related, pop over to plants-uk.co.uk. And if you enjoy our podcast, don't forget to subscribe and rate us.